0: since brevity is the soul of wit.
1: More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo? Wherefore art thou, Romeo?
0: To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise-breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand! The lady doth Test too much, things The course of true love never did run smooth.
1: I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. And this is the Bix Pod. And we are here this week to discuss Shakespeare's original comedy, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yay. We say original because it's not based on any existing text. He didn't adapt it from the Italians or the French or anything, yeah, anything. He, it was he, just
0: Shakespeare coming up with his own stuff yeah
1: borrowing but, some characters yeah. from folklore and, yeah. and ancient Greek mythology I, I guess and history but uh, yeah it's um, it's quite a, a fun little romp through yes. the forests of, yes. of outside Athens <laughs> And uh, yeah, it'll be, I think it'll be a good discussion today. I'm just dragging this out because I really don't want to do the 30 second synopsis. So it's
0: Lindsay's turn to do the 30 <laughs> second synopsis. And uh, Lindsay, I have a timer ready. I know
1: you do. I can see it. It's not like it's putting any pressure on me or anything. You'll be fine. Just tell me when you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. Three, two. So you have the king of Athens who's about to get married and two couples who are mismatched, shall we say, not matching up the way they ought to be. They all end up in the forest and chaos ensues when the fairies get involved and they come back to reality, uh... Properly matched. Weddings happen. There's a play at the end. Um, the players also spend some time in the forest, so that's interesting. And and generally, it's it's a happy ending. A comedy with four weddings at the end and no funerals. That's pretty No, wait, good. three weddings. Yeah. And still no funerals. Still no funerals.
0: Well, there was... There's the... Uh, uh, I guess and Pyramus and Thisbe is kind of a funeral So ask.
1: three weddings and two funerals? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah.
0: Good. We can get... Uh, what's his name uh Hugh, Hugh Grant, Grant to play all the characters just like Bottom
1: absolutely yes <laughs> that would actually work pretty well <laughs> that I mean. would work very well yeah. um all right so Aiden uh let's start off just briefly when was the first time that you encountered A Midsummer Night's Dream
0: uh it was probably junior high drama class uh I believe this was the play that we actually had to do a few lines from as part of a little performance uh you know you've
1: told this story before I think yeah I think so this is um
0: I'm trying to remember, I I know at one point there was either a Macbeth or a Hamlet, like I think we had to do a soliloquy, but it was only like 10, 12 lines or something like that, and then we had like a scene, uh, and I can't remember if it was Midsummer Night's Dream or uh, Much Ado About Nothing, because I know we watched Much Ado About Nothing, and that's when I fell in love with With Emma Thompson. Thompson. Oh, yes. Uh, But I don't remember if our actual performance was from that or from Midsummer. I want to say it's Midsummer. Yeah so that was my earliest uh you know vague recollection of it yeah um we've seen it a couple times since then yeah uh including in uh germany
1: yeah in german in, in germany german. as as you do in a foreign country yes t- you t- don't expect t- them to translate it for you
0: well technically it was translated well yeah t- uh,
1: yes, it was actually but but it, that was actually quite entertaining because it's. <laughs> i was gonna say like i i first read it when i was very little i had a like a uh, illustrated adaptation or something I took mm. out from the library and it was just the story it wasn't in in Shakespearean flowery language or anything um but even from that early age all the way through I saw it actually your high school Aiden put it on as a production yeah, when right. you were in grade well you weren't there I yet wasn't there in you were 10. not there in grade 10 but a mutual friend of ours played Peas Blossom mm-hmm. um Vanessa and she uh invited me to the place so I saw it in grade 10 um I've read it multiple times since then. We've seen it multiple times since then. And it was only very recently, like I'm talking two months ago, that I was able to distinguish between Hermia and Helena and Lysander and Demetrius. <laughs> so yes. um it's it's I was gonna say it's an easy play to understand in German. Yeah. Which is why it made it it was perfect that we were able to see it when we were in Germany. But uh it's maybe not, I don't know. I think but I think that confusion kind of plays very well with the content of the play and the idea that, um, these matters of the heart are a confusing thing anyway, if they're even real Mm -hmm. and, and things get mixed up. Love is, is a many splendor thing, but it is also, (laughs) um, the bane of our existence. Yes.
0: And it is a play all about love, Lindsay, uh, in its many, well, not many, it's it's one straight up form. It's yeah. romantic, romantic love romantic
1: love, erotic love.
0: Erotic love. And it has some interesting things to say about that topic. Yes. Um Love is uh kind of not complexly portrayed, but it's it's very um it's it's portrayed as a kind of a fundamental force almost it has a will of its own mm-hmm. uh there's multiple multiple references to cupid uh mm-hmm. and arrows being shot it's it's very much a power beyond human comprehension right. or understanding um and that ties into the other major uh piece about the the play that's that's really interesting on kind of like a thematic and and folkloric kind of level is the whole idea of the woods. Yeah. Um, so the woods are kind of the, this place that they escape into. And once you're in the woods, all the rules are gone Yeah. everything you thought you knew. And, and I think it's hard for us because we've seen the play so many times now. Um, but the first time you watch it, you think, Oh, it's going to be a courtly love kind of situation like two gentlemen of verona type thing where there's going to be hijinks and and what have you and that happens Um, and it does but but then there's this mystical supernatural Mm -hmm. uh layer that's kind of thrown over top of everything um and it all happens in the wood yeah and it's really really interesting in that way that uh that shakespeare kind of in one of his more original plays deviated from a traditional kind of Concept where you would have everything be within the realm of man still. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's added in this this folklore level.
1: Yeah, it's and it, it ends up being very meta, um, yes, which is very. something that we've talked about in recent episodes. Shakespeare kind of um, becoming more sophisticated as a playwright mm-hmm. and making things um, like Love's Labor's Lost – questioning the structure of a play here we're questioning the reality of a play mm-hmm. which is something that I, I guess we all kind of assume is, is happening we have to suspend our disbelief for a moment whenever we're watching something on screen or in a live theater um, but Shakespeare addresses it directly in that very famous in Puck's famous opening or sorry closing, closing speech, yeah. speech. Um, and so I think that's That's also quite a a new, sophisticated way of approaching um, the spectacle of the theater and, and plays in general. For I must tell you friendly in your ear, sell when you can. You are not for all
0: markets. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't watched the play recently or, or yeah. read it, uh, yeah, it, it can be. I mean, let, let's talk about that confusion because I think that's one of the points that Shakespeare really makes is around those those two main couples yeah. of uh, Lysander and Demetrius and Helena and Hermia. Yeah, uh, they're interchangeable. They like, really like are. Like you yeah. said, you couldn't tell them apart until very recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we watched the two thousand or nineteen ninety nine. I can't yeah. remember uh, version with you know everybody from the 90s. Yeah, one of those
1: 90s Shakespearean (laughs) plays that had everyone, Calista Flockhart, Kevin Kline, Stanley Tucci.
0: Yeah, Christian Bale. and Michelle uh, Pfeiffer. Yeah, like it really was. It's quite a cast and it's actually a pretty good production. We'll come Mm -hmm. to that later. Um, But yeah, until like when you see Christian Bale and What's His Name from The Wire... Oh, I can't I never remember the actor's Dominic name. Dominic West. Dominic West. Uh, when you see the two of them, it's a little easier to sure. Watching it,
1: watching it, watching is it always helps.
0: Yeah. Um, but on the page, they yeah. are literally interchangeable. Yeah. Uh, they have very similar insults when they decide to scorn the one who loves them, but they don't love back anymore. Yeah. It's very much a. It's a very very simple. Um, Set of dualities that they set yeah. up here, uh, and, and why
1: I, I I wonder why they did that. I think that I, I have my own hypothesis well, about it. Well, please share them. Well, me. I think it's just the idea <laughs> that that love is is as you said, a force of nature, a force on its own, Um, but it's also kind of indiscriminate. It it happens when it happens, where it happens, and there's no rhyme or reason to any of it, so it doesn't really matter where it lands. It doesn't, it's just like the potion or the flower nectar that Huck drops in their eyes and makes them fall in love with the next thing they see, which is a very male thing to do. It only happens to the men aside from Hippolyta, in Hippolyta's case it's, or sorry, um, Titania, in her case it's done for Um, obvious comic effect. It doesn't, yeah, we'll talk about that. (laughs) But I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's a random thing. So it doesn't matter who the lovers are. It just matters who they love in that moment. Like it really, like who are they looking at? That's who they're going to love. And the person behind them who's walking around literally as Helena says, like a a spaniel. Yeah. Like kick me, I'm your dog, right? And I'll just come running back to you. They're the ones that aren't being loved. So it really doesn't matter who they are. It's just the fact that there are characters falling in love. Well, and
0: I think like even uh, Helena and Hermia touch on this multiple times, especially Helena. She's like, am I not considered as fair as Hermia Mm -hmm. in in the court of Athens? You know, they are they are supposed to be interchangeable so that when they switch uh, loves from uh, one to another, it's it's supposed to, I think, indicate how shallow and yeah, yeah. forgetful love yeah. is you know it, yeah. it really doesn't the the characters are interchangeable and therefore is love just interchangeable well, like in is that, there anything defining exactly and, and substantive to and love? the fact
1: that that love can be procured so quickly yes. just by a sprinkling drops, some yeah. potion in somebody's eye yeah. really does um take away the power that love has and and it's funny to see this from a playwright that yeah, we typically associate with, yeah. with, you know, these great romantic stories, yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Um, to, to say that love is in, in one, on one hand, love is this powerful force that can move mountains and and love is the thing, the mm-hmm. thing. And then to have this send up of love is yeah. like, it's just whoever, it's the warm body that you <laughs> have in front of you. Yeah. I'm going to love that. Yeah. Right. So it, it does seem to almost satirize the thing that it's talking about, rather yeah. than elevated um,
0: it. elevate it, or, elevate, or, it or doesn't it elevate it at all. At yeah, all. exactly. Yeah,
1: um, which is where that the ninety nine production does kind of. Um, uh, I don't want to say it subverts it, but it does seem to. Um, there's a little bit more earnestness maybe in some yeah. of the scenes when it comes to love. And yeah. it depends on the production too, but yeah. um, but, but certainly the, but reading way, it, it, it's satirical. Yeah, no, satirical. it's, it's it
0: very satirical. Um, and even the ones where the moments in the 99 production where... It is earnest it kind of works towards the comedic effect as well because like you have Dominic West like crying as yeah. Sanders saying I love you look at these tears and he's like actually doing a pretty good job yeah. of selling it you're like okay that's funny because he, five I'm, minutes ago he didn't love but I'm Hell thinking
1: more Hall. along the lines of what happens with Bottom's character which is yeah. a, a different a deviation from the script in a well few it's an places. addition to the script yeah. Yeah,
0: they, yeah they kind of went above and beyond without adding actual dialogue yeah. to, the, to the script
1: um so yeah, I think that's that's kind of what is happening there, and and it's it's interesting because we were trying to figure out of all the productions that we've seen, um, I can think we know one for sure, but possibly two, and I don't remember the German production, yeah, where know. the char- the actors who played Theseus and Hippolyta also doubled as Oberon and Titania. Yeah. And in this most recent production that we saw just a couple of weeks ago, the Winter Shakespeare Festival put on by the Malachites here in Edmonton, um, the Rude Mechanicals also played Titania's um, fairy companions mm-hmm. Peas, Blossom, Cobweb, Moth, and the fifth, fourth one that fourth I can't one, remember. Yeah, you know. um, and so. The fact, and, and I mean, it, it's done by necessity, I think, in a lot of cases, just because if you have a small company, these are easy roles. They never share stage time, so you can get away with that. But it has this added effect of making these characters that exist in the real world, real world have a fairy world counterpart. Yeah. It's very Wizard of Oz-like in that mm-hmm. way, and it makes that dream... Um,
0: sense sense, kind yeah. of
1: fit. Because yeah. then the only characters who aren't are these four lovers yeah. who flip between the real world of Athens and the, the fairy world of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make it seem like what happened to them was not real. Yeah. because You they, could
0: definitely even interpret the whole yeah instance of the play that exactly. way. Exactly. Right?
1: And, and it helps... Because that's, that is what dream imagery does to a person. Yeah. You take the people that you know in real life and you cast them in roles in your dream yeah. that, like, Dorothy does. Like, we've talked about in the past with, with regard to Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that dreams kind of symbolize different things and, and represent different things depending on on who is in them and, and that kind of thing. So those casting choices do tend to blur the line between... Um, what's real and what's not and make that interchangeability kind of underscores that idea that these characters are interchangeable because really what's the difference between Titania and Hippolyta or Oberon and Theseus they have very similar goals they they're the women are both very powerful and stand up to their men Hippolyta is the queen of the Amazons for heaven's sake right and I mean Oberon and Theseus are both kind of uh sex craze slash love craze there's a there's an erotic quality to both of them um and so i think that 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 just again it's it's playing with that idea of interchangeability in Mm. a way that makes it very fun but works with any production yeah as far as i'm concerned yeah so aiden let's talk a little bit about um the different manifestations of love Mm -hmm. the the because it's very different depending on which couple you're talking about yeah. and I think the first one that comes to mind obviously is the first couple we meet it's Theseus and Hippolyta mm-hmm. so what's your interpretation of of how they relate to one another well it's an
0: interesting dynamic because uh, at the start of the play it's it seems like very recently uh, Theseus has conquered the Amazons uh, and that's how he's taken Hippolyta as his wife is yeah. that he's literally, he's wooed her with a sword I think is, is the phrase or with a blade or something like that, Ooh, um,
1: that sexy <laughs> Okay, that's a well, it's a phallic joke. symbol. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs>
0: um, so they, so it, it is a strange dynamic in the sense that he has taken her by force. Mm. Um, there's something very aggressive and uh, non-loverly yeah. kind of thing going on there, but at the same time, he, he seems. Uh, he really does seem to love her um, but it's hard to tell whether it's just desire um, it's yeah. it's it's a very it's a love very similar to uh, that of the lovers that go off into the forest right. because it's kind of a young love they have not consummated they no. you know he's been trying and in the production we watched there was a there was a great bit of physical comedy because he'd get like really close and like thrust towards her and then she'd like kick him in the groin and yeah. walk away or well, something it was,
1: it was a dance sequence which yes. is very very in keeping with their their dynamic that they're both powerful people, so in a dance there's give and take. But yeah. in this case, it was very much I'm taking and I'm taking, and yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to give as good as you give, and yeah. right. But um, but you're right. Like there's uh, an aggression an aggression to him, and and his opening speech talking about. Um, how it's still four days, but I can't wait four days. Yeah. I need to have you now. Yeah. The 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 moon, which is the symbol of love, right? It's <laughs> it's hilarious, even though it's so inconstant as we yeah uh, as we know. Um, it, it's like a dowager keeping the what's the the line that she won't die and give her heir all of the money. Yeah, that's and it's such a weird thing to say, <laughs> like the you know, like you are just. Money that I'm inheriting, and and the the Dowager Moon is yeah, not just won't give it up. Just already. won't give it up. Come I just on. I just want to bang. Right? <laughs> it's it's very aggressive. But then Hippolyta gives back as as yeah. like she doesn't. It seems like his answer to the lovers to well to Lysander and Hermia that he's going to pursue punishment of Hermia if she doesn't marry Demetrius, um, pisses her off, pisses Hippolyta yeah. off. Yeah. And then that it, it, like. It's not so clear-cut. He might be a warrior on the battlefield, but in matters of love, he's not the the master of his domain, <laughs> if you want to put it in those terms.
0: In the Seinfeld terms, yes. Yeah. we should, yes.
1: yeah. So Hippolyta does wield a lot of power, and she is an Amazon, so she's a powerful person. Yeah. And I don't think that she's... Um, as easily undermined. It's a fascinating character, I think, Hippolyta it, it and, and Titania it's,
0: are well, both. Well, Hippolyta, especially because by the end, she seems to have warmed up to him. Yeah. Um, they have a few barbs back and forth or a few quick witticisms, and they seem mm-hmm. much more engaged, um, especially when they're decided... In the 99 production, they have a little write-off where they discuss what's yes. what to do with these lovers who've yeah. broken the law. Um, but
1: they're almost equals at that point. Exactly. It's, and it, it does feel like, like Theseus has... Um, Hippolyta's warmed up to Theseus because Theseus has lightened up a little bit. Exactly, he's right? come around to love, basically, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's kind of shown her that maybe she she can love him. It's it's yeah. it's a strange little dynamic, yeah. um, but it is obviously uh, counterpointed with Oberon and Satania, yeah. Um who are kind of the opposite because they're they're longtime lovers yes this is they're but they're in a spat yeah um but it's over
1: a, a, a an indian boy yeah that titania Took from adopted that. from the yeah. mother that she was friends with yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a strange, a strange little interlude but yeah. but he wants this little boy and titania wants the little boy and they won't neither one of them will will budge and so I, I can't remember Aiden can't remember either where where this line is in in the play but it, the spring is like there's it's stormy now because the fairies control the weather and because yeah. the Oberon and Titania are fighting it can't be full summer it can't yeah. be you know good weather Mid, yeah. because they're fighting so much yeah. which I think is cute.
0: But but it it's interesting because it's 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 kind of like It's a married argument. You know, it's like, oh, you took my last spoon, you know I love that spoon. I'm getting that spoon back. And if you don't give me that spoon back, you know, it's that's the kind of dynamic that's at play, uh, which is the exact opposite of all the other Mm -hmm. lover characters. Yeah. Um and so their their kind of feud is, is a little more playful. It's yeah, it's it's well the not stakes as aren't weighty. as high. Exactly, because yeah. they're made for each other. They're yeah. the king and queen of the fairies. Yes. They're of course they're gonna be together. Yeah. There's no one else they could be with. It's not like uh, you know, in the earthly realm where well if you if, don't
1: love the person that you've been told to love, you will die. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Exactly. There's no there's yeah. no uh Helena Fear or Hermia, I don't even remember which one gets there you go. Uh <laughs> there, there's none of that. It's yeah. this is this is a, a feud between the gods and and, so, and literally
1: the only punishment that is ever Ever doled out is that titania falls in love with bottom
0: yeah for like a hot minute yeah
1: <laughs> it's like for they spend one night together yeah and and it's all reversed in the end and everything goes back to normal and it's she like just kind of laughs exactly off. She's like,
0: oh man you got me
1: you really thing. got me <laughs> you, have you know it's, back, it's I guess. april fool's day is <laughs> yeah. what it is right yeah. and the, the the byproducts of that are um the the confusion between lysander and hermia and helena and demetrius but um but it's not it, it doesn't hurt anybody really i i suppose the argument could be made that um in helena's delicate mental state especially yeah, when she she's, yeah. she feels gaslit a bit by yeah. by these two men who are now pursuing her after not pursuing her at all she yeah. thinks this is just a mean trick everybody's yeah. playing on her i suppose that could be seen as a little bit well and hermia and then
0: also gets dumped by both of the guys exactly. after her so yeah the, exactly. the women generally get roughed over in this yes. in this play let's yeah. be honest
1: but it's it's kind of um it, it's played more for laughs and it really doesn't matter all that much yeah like the points in a whose line is it anyway uh, exactly. <laughs> it's all thank, made thank up another. and the points don't <laughs> matter um but it's you for you know, another 90s reference yeah, I know, that was you're very welcome. but yeah uh, yeah so i think that that with with titania and oberon it's it's a nice counterpoint to Theseus and Hippolyta. They're both powerful. Both couples are powerful. Both individuals in each couple are powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interchange is a little bit different, even though they are on equal, more or less equal footing throughout. I think the um, I think Hippolyta has a little bit more of an upper hand in the real world, whereas Oberon has a bit of an upper hand in the fairy world. Yeah. But other than that, it it really doesn't matter, and that's why I like it so much when I see a production where those characters are played by the same actors yeah, because yeah. it does sort of cement the similarities between those yeah, two.
0: Yeah,
1: you can't do that with the Four Lovers though. No,
0: they're all uh, on stage at the same time. and yeah. they they uh, they're they're interchangeable in a different way, right? Yes, they're, they're they are as we talked thematically about interchangeable thematically interchangeable or, yeah, or something. Or, yeah, they express a theme emotionally through their interchangeability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, you have uh, Helena and Hermia being best friends for so long. They're both beautiful women. Um, it seems like Demetrius had at one point wooed Helena, but had spurned her to f- to yeah, be with
0: Hermia, and, Hermia
1: and had won over her father enough that Lysander's like, "Marry her father, let me have the daughter." Yeah. Right? And and during this fight, when when um, Theseus is intervening, um, so yeah, there's there's Lysander and Hermia. Have I think a very Aiden as you said like a young love, and it's it's kind of spring like and and innocent. Um, when they're in the woods, Hermia won't let Lysander lie with her mm-hmm. because there's a there's modesty and chasteness are yeah. valued, yeah. Um, so they're not sexually. Um, active active (laughs) yes um
0: and then there's a counterpoint scene where Demetrius threatens Helena yes like you're you're taking a big risk by following me into these woods and annoying the hell out of me I you know I I could take you have you now if I wanted and she's like no but I trust you so much that you know your your gentlemanliness is my protection yeah and so again there are these there's these subtle small contrast that again all get twisted and turned around of uh when the affections are changed by the dropping of the, yeah. the the flower, flower juice the devils
1: or the cupids flower whatever <laughs> devils lettuce the devils yeah. lettuce yes <laughs> that's a different play entirely <laughs> the psychedelic version of <laughs> midsummer night's dream love it um yeah and so the, so the the fact that um Puck comes along and mistakes these two uh, men yeah Um, Because Oberon sees what's happening and wants to set it right. Even while he's screwing with his wife's um, ability to fall in love or whatever. Yeah. um, He still wants to make these Athenians love each other and restore order. Mm-hmm. Um, Puck is the one who messes everything up yeah, and puts in accident, the wrong Athenians but... eye. And there's some funny moments there between Oberon and Puck when yeah. they realize what's going They're on. They're watching
0: what's happening like yeah. oh, that's not the Athenian. No, Come on, wrong Pop. guy.
1: <laughs> but uh, but then so yeah that that sets up this the the main conflict in the play which is that these characters love um, the wrong people. Yeah. So it's it's then that the yeah the interchangeability comes into play because now we've got um Hermia playing the Helena role and Helena playing the Hermia role. Mm-hmm. Uh but when they when they finally do uh, have everything restored um Demetrius is left in love with Helena. Her, with Helena which is
0: through the use of the magic Through these the magic the
1: magic is not reversed in his case. Yeah. It is in Lysander's case. But it's left in Demetrius's case, which again calls into question the, I guess, the reliability or the, um, yeah, the the truthiness of love. <laughs> I don't know. The word is escaping. No, me, no, what it, what I know. I, mean to it, say, but. I know
0: exactly what you mean because it's it's like is love because the the rest of as we mentioned, you could ignore the whole middle of the play and the fairies and everything and just say these couples went into the woods came out and they, you know, continued along their merry way.
1: Yeah.
0: With the exception of Demetrius, whose yes. love has changed overnight. Yes. Um, so this magical act yeah. um, really calls into question the sincerity of all the other love yeah. that they express throughout yeah. the course of the night. Um, and so when you have him still loving Helena at the end,
1: yeah, under the spell. Under of, the
0: spell, you're yeah. like, well, is it different? Like, yeah, d- does he actually love her? Like, does that wear off at some point? What if, I mean, what if that and, other potion comes back? Because there's another antidote. Yes, one. What if he rubs his face against that while he's out in the woods? Yeah, but day? it's twenty
1: years later, and they've got four kids. Yeah. and like, what happens
0: then? You know, he buys
1: a Porsche and ends up <laughs> midlife crisis. It's you know,
0: <laughs> but wow, he <laughs> about a Porsche in Athens in 600 BC. That'd well, be impressive.
1: You know. um, but I, I guess it's it comes down to um, uh, what do they know? What do they know and when did they know it? <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's Watergate. It's
0: Watergate all over again. Um, wow, okay. Because, we reached back another two decades. Because
1: we know that that he's been um, uh, put under a poisoned. magical spell. I you was going to say poisoned. It is kind potioned. Of poison, potioned. He's been Let's potioned.
0: It's a little more neutral.
1: And. He doesn't none yes. of them know none of them believe like they they never have any encounters with the with the fairies. The closest we get is a scene where Lysander and Demetrius are set to fight one another mm-hmm. and Puck kind of intervenes and pretends to be the other yeah. to each of them to like confuse them and get them lost in the woods in a fog or whatever uh, so or in the dark anyway. so they but they never see the fairies. they never know that they've been potioned yeah. uh, so does it matter? I mean I guess that's the question if 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 love is as we've talked about I think it was with two gentlemen of Verona and um and a few other of the plays love's labors lost if love is only what you see yeah then then this is literally love right yeah if you buy into that thesis that love is what is in the eye of the beholder, then this is no different than any other love. Yeah. Um, it's just been coaxed along by... Yeah, by, by some potion, yeah. Right. But then we just celebrated Valentine's Day, and what what is that if not a veneration of Cupid who yeah. matchmakes? And that's, that's something that's very common in our culture. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it, people do talk about how they fell in love with their partners and it was like Cupid's bow hit them and they were just enamored. Yeah. So it's kind of a personification of something that already exists. So does it, is it really all that bad? I think we feel, I think we feel bad because we know better because we've seen this, but again, Puck absolves us of that in the end and says, if we've offended, (laughs) think, but this and all is mended. So it's not really that bad, is it? I don't know. I I guess that's the central question that I'm I'm asking. What do you think, Aiden? No, I I agree. I,
0: I think it's, I think it is, um, I think you're right that it's, it's kind of, it's an unsettling thing for the audience, um, but only when you think about it. I think if you just view it as a happy romp through the forest, then, yeah. you know, yeah, okay, Demetrius is with someone. Went he,
1: in with Hermione's on know, his came mind with and Helena. left with Helena. But you
0: know what? You know, there's four of them. There was going to be someone left yeah. unhappy. This way, everybody's happy. You right. Know? So maybe it's just uh, everybody's better off and we should just enjoy it for the, for the fun little thing it is. Uh, but it's when you think about it that you're like, wait a minute, but... His is different yeah. somehow. Yeah. And, it, and it does strike you. And the fact that Helena uh, kind of goes with it is also interesting that she knows oh. he doesn't love her. Um, and then when he first proposes love to her after he's had his done. Yeah. She's like, who what's
1: wrong with like, you?
0: She's like, whoa, no, no, I don't believe this. And then if, it's like kind of like after the night has ended, she doesn't question why yeah. it changed overnight. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of a strange, uh, you know, hanging Chad to go to another wow. two thousand yeah. reference uh, of, of, uh, of characterization yeah. because she just doesn't, she goes from like wanting him so much to not believing it at all to just not Accepting having much it. to say at all. Yeah. At, at the end. Well,
1: and maybe it's because, I mean, we don't know exactly what the nature of their relationship is before the play starts. All we hear is Lysander say that Demetrius yeah. once gave like wooed, uh, Helena before he turned his attention to Hermia, so there must have been something between them. Um, so maybe this is kind of just setting that to rights. And again, Demetrius is kind of the cad. Yeah, here. In this, Lysander yeah. and and Hermia do love each other, and Helena does love Demetrius, and Demetrius is the only one who's inconstant. And so when Oberon sees this and wants to correct it, it's almost like it's that intervening force. Which the Elizabethans would have believed in fortune or fairies Mm -hmm. or whatever that would set things to rights. So it would be seen as a leveling of the playing field again. Yeah, that's fair. Um, We look at it differently because we look at love differently. I think in in our modern day, there's agency, which Demetrius, none of these characters have any agency, um, at least not where their love is concerned. Maybe with the exception of of, um, Hermia and, and... Lysander, because they loved each other before they went into the woods. And Helena towards Demetrius, she loved him before. It's only in the woods that love is called into question. But, I mean, I think our next, what we're going to segue into is is this dichotomy of woods and civilization. So maybe we'll put a pin in that. Well, and it it leads
0: to the next loving couple, which is Bottom and Titania, which is a, a very interesting setup because, you know, it's it's purely for laughs really oh entirely yeah um but Titania just diving into it and you know going all in and being like you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen I love your beautiful
1: voice has woken me from my slumber as he's hee-hawing all over the stage it's it's hilarious it is
0: really good yeah um but it it, so again it it calls into question you know what is love if it can be with an ass you know
1: Another '90s reference. Thank you. Lizzie. You're With welcome. All of it.
0: Oh, this is like a mini '90s Shakespeare reference. Really really That's is. good. Um, but yeah, it it is it is interesting that um, a it's it's purely for laughs, whereas the other ones have seem to have a bit more. Uh, there's
1: weight to it maybe a bit.
0: little bit more because this is temporary Oberon yeah. even says you know like
1: yeah I'm not gonna this isn't gonna be forever yeah this isn't
0: forever and then he when he does the spell and he, she's like oh I dreamed I was in love with an ass and then he's like well there he was yeah. and he's like oh, how did that happen and that's like that's how they make up is they yeah. laugh over this shared exactly. experience of of Titania <laughs> sleeping with an ass it's it's kind yeah. of it's a really strange thing but uh, the more important part is for Bottom I think because yeah. when he awakes he has this hilarious speech well
1: but it when you look at it, it's it's a it's a perversion of First Corinthians, yeah. which is which is brilliant. I mean, First Corinthians is it, passages from that have been used at weddings for how sure, long? Forever, forever, as long as we've been using Shakespeare at weddings. <laughs> um, and so it's 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 interesting that he has this his inability to speak, which is funny coming from him because he wants to speak everything he's, up yep. until this point with his little troop of of actors. He's going to play Pyramus and Thisbe and the lion and the wall. He's yeah. going to play everything. Yeah. He wants to be the hero and the tragic villain and yeah. this and that and every, everything. And suddenly he's struck dumb and he can't speak because something has happened. He can't articulate it. He doesn't know how to put it to to words. He hopes Peter Quince, the playwright, will be able to write the a bottom ballad. stream yeah. um, because it's no a ballad. bottomless dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, whatever it yeah. is. But it's... it's um, it is really interesting. And I think that's where the 99 production makes it so much more poignant. Kevin Klein plays Bottom yeah. brilliantly. Does it really I enjoy. think he does a, such a, a wonderful job. But there's this underlying wistfulness in him because he's he seems to be trapped in a marriage of of not love but not even convenience. It's yeah. just his wife is not a nice person it seems and he's kind of he seems to be very passionate and he's hes yes, and his thinks wife, of himself as a good actor yes. and, and he has well this, he thinks a
0: lot of himself yes. definitely and his wife seems to see through it <laughs> and yeah. probably a bit more like the audience would view yeah. him so it's it's kind of like the, he has this wistfulness for this love that came for a short period of time yeah. and left and um, Lindsay you mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier about how uh, when they're together it's very much kind of an inversion of, of yeah. gender roles because yeah. Titania like grabs him and is like you can't go anywhere yeah you you're, have to stay, here, stay here, here, and here I'm gonna wine and
1: dine you and I'm gonna woo you and yeah. I, here are all my attendants ask them for anything they yeah. will get you whatever you want
0: so he's treated like a princess
1: yes and yes. she is she, she is, is the pursuer, the pursuer. Yeah. yeah and he's just kind of there yeah like it's not really he doesn't do much in every single production he's like laying in a bed of flowers it's what's the yeah. stage directions <laughs> are and, and just getting fed things being and stuff. It's yeah. it's an it's for him I think it's it's um it's what he believes he deserves because he's so good.
0: Yeah. He Yeah, yeah. So it's
1: almost like he gets what he wants yeah. for that brief moment in time. And then he leaves from that and it's not like he's left bereft or anything. Like he still goes out and 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 puts on a ridiculous performance as Pyramus. Yeah. Um and and the the production goes off with a few hitches but it to general enjoyment of all and yeah. the merriment of everyone at the this triple wedding that they have. And so it's not like he's He's that bad off. No. Um but he did have an experience that changed him. I feel mm-hmm. like fundamentally Nick Bottom is a different character at, at the, the end. end. Yeah. Even if we don't see it outwardly, I think that something in him has changed by the experience. Yeah. The same cannot be said for Titania. Yeah. Uh, she and Oberon. Yeah. Go and, on their and merry they way. Go on
0: their way, yeah, exactly. But
1: uh yeah, it does seem like it's it's a little bit of an inversion. Also, that Titania is the only female character to receive the droplets that yeah. make her fall in love with the first person or first thing she sees, and um, which I mentioned at the top was a very male thing mm-hmm. to have happen. It's it was a, a thing that in *Loves Labors Lost*, the four men yes. who fall in love a, with the a four women,
0: of sight. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's yeah. it's
1: based purely on on what they look, what they yeah. what they see. And that trope of men being visual creatures is, um, that's how Titania acts. She, when she's given that ability to fall in love based on sight alone, she becomes the pursuer. She becomes the masculine figure in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And Bonham is is feminized in yeah. a way. Even though he's he's dressed up like a donkey. It's still, there. there's a... A submission to him and and to his character which is warranted given that she's the queen of the fairies and he's nothing more than uh the
0: bottom of the totem pole well (laughs) yes but
1: uh yeah so i i guess it's it's um it's played for laughs but there is some interesting and somewhat poignant commentary there about the nature of love and uh and the way that it affects bottom as he uh leaves the play at the end
0: and also the way that he leaves the forest so yes. we mentioned that he uh he has the speech of you know the corinthians mal- mm-hmm. maladjusted uh and that comes after kind of the the main action of the play when they've all left the forest yeah so um as as i kind of mentioned up the top the forest is kind of this uh magical place it's yeah. where um the there's a great essay again in the Folger Shakespeare yep. uh, collection that kind of talks about how the forest is a place outside of humanity's control. Yep. It's it is where the king and queen of the forest uh, of the fairies has has reign, and human power no longer uh,
1: applies applies or, there. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's also it's a it's a longstanding folk uh, tradition. Yeah. it's it's the woods are as you said, Lindsay, a liminal space. Yes, they're they're, they're a place where uh, you're you're in between worlds. Essentially, and yeah. in, in this place and in this play, sorry, um, that's very much the case. Yeah. The, the the they are back and forth. The lovers, at least, are back and forth between uh, the real world and the fairy realm, uh, and they're acted on by forces from both. Um, while they're in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, and when they leave, it's all just a dream, and yeah. they've left that they've left that liminal liminal space behind, and they've they're back in the real hard world of Athens. But and, things
1: go their way because yeah. the I think the the influence of the forest has seeped out into the into the real world which is another reason why I like the idea of having the same actors play Titania and Oberon Hippolyta and Theseus because Mm -hmm. it does make that through line very clear that these are two characters who or or at least the two actors are playing four characters who are connected in some way and they bring a little bit of that magic with them when they become Hippolyta and Theseus again at the end and and kind of make everything okay. And Aegeus, um, uh, Hermia's father, is left uh, upset at the end because his will is not done. But too bad for you that love has has conquered conquered all demetrius doesn't even love your daughter anymore let's just leave it at that right um so the the lasting effect of the woods does seep out into the real world but um but yeah as you said it's it is a long-standing tradition and it's something that shakespeare plays with whether it's specifically forests or whether it's just nature in general and when you look at things like the hero's journey I mean, you could look at it that way, that this is, this is a, a place, you're, you're going away from civilization to have this experience that changes you and then you come back to to the real world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little less um, risky than, you know, Frodo going to Mordor. Mordor and coming back to the Shire, but it's not much different. You know, you're leaving home and you're having this, this fundamentally change, life changing experience. And yeah. then you're coming back to reality again. Um, and I think that's something that is present throughout Shakespeare. He does it in Macbeth when it's, but it's the more that, that where Macbeth and Banquo meet the witches witches, and, um, in the Tempest or in Cymbeline, the Winter's Tale. They're all, all of these magical plays that have supernatural elements in them are, are, these things are taking place in a, um, non-civilized, Area. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's it's a magical place and it has to be a natural place. Yeah. It can't be something that's man-made. Why then the world's mine oyster, which I with sword will open. And
0: so he, he's kind of borrowing that from, uh, you know, the, the generally accepted... Uh,
1: English tradition. English
0: tradition and well I think I I'm sure there are elements of yeah. that throughout all, oh like, there are like, if you look at yeah.
1: cultures all over the world yeah
0: it's everywhere yeah um but specifically English is uh this the character of Puck or Robin Goodfellow uh who is in um in Summer Night's Dream and acts as kind of a kind of a trickster figure but he's not malicious no and he and he serves Oberon in this play which I find is interesting because usually if you have a trickster type figure... They're, they're, they're their getting, own boss. Yeah, they're their own <laughs> boss. They're their own... Uh, they're, they usually represent a, a force of nature as mm-hmm. chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, but here he serves Oberon and all the things that he does that in, create chaos are, are accidental. Um, and so he he's he's an interesting character because I think I... I don't, correct me when I'm wrong, Lindsay, but I think I'd seen a production where he and Bottom were played by the same character because they don't actually appear on stage uh at the same time uh because you know Hmm. bottom leaves uh when he gets turned into an ass and it's uh puck who then comes in and says i'm going to turn him into an ass so i think you could even have those characters be interchangeable because they are both you know uh the silly kind of figures they're the figures that kind of uh add add that element of chaos and and comedy to to the whole situation
1: yeah yeah
0: um but yeah, yeah, puck is really, really uh, interesting that way. And then he—he's also the one that, as you—you've mentioned many times, uh, he closes off the play. Yes. Um, and his speech is kind of uh, a kind of an invocation again to kind of. If you if you're worried that this is real this is the real world no no you're still in the forest you know yeah. that's that's kind of what he's getting at is that maybe this whole thing is in a forest yeah. uh even though you're in the middle of London in a globe theater yeah. the most packed place probably in England at this point in time is right. this little 200 square meter building uh but you know no you're out in nature and this is just a dream that you've had with it, right. all of us um yeah
1: and, and yeah so i think that um, for for puck or the character, I guess in in English folklore there's many pucks. It, it's not mm-hmm. one yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here it's just one. It's a it's a whole collection of these types of helper fairies or or goblins that um, are personified in one character. Mm-hmm. But um, they would do like little things, little tasks. I think I think it's a little bit of a change if you look at trickster figures from yeah like first nations or native american mythology they seem to be entities unto themselves that that um that do just trick mm-hmm. in in pucks robin goodfellow's case it's more like i'm gonna help you but if you piss me off i'm gonna i'm gonna mess with you yeah yeah. and here he does seem to be like you said in service of of oberon but there, there's still that that sense of I'm gonna help you, like I'm gonna I'm gonna help yeah, Demetrius yeah. find what he needs, yeah. even though he's being directed by Oberon. It's I almost look at this as like um, I think I mentioned this too. It's like in the fanfiction world, there's this the, the coffee shop alternate universe story, <laughs> which is like you know Loki and. Thor having coffee at Starbucks. They and yeah. it's always you know these characters that would never meet uh, in real life or would yeah. never have coffee together are are sitting at Starbucks and they're yeah. or or they meet in Starbucks or yeah. whatever. Yeah. like a villain and a and the hero yeah. have you know lock eyes over a latte. Yeah, this is like the 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 English folklore <laughs> coffee shop AU, but but it's in a forest. Like it's it's oh. almost like you're gonna take this character who. I guess by the 16th century was kind of losing there was less interest in this kind of folkloric character. They still believed in fairies and and this kind of thing, but it wasn't like the stories just weren't there the way they used to be in the medieval times. Mm-hmm. Um but so Shakespeare takes this this existing stock character almost and like revives interest in him by putting him in in the middle of Athens in a forest yeah. and and Cassim is um like the the Oberon's right hand man, yeah. who can't do a good job to save his life, but <laughs> um, but then to give him the most the one of the most lasting and and poignant speeches in all of Shakespeare, I think, to close out this this amazingly comedic and original play with, mm. "If we shadows have offended, think that this, and all is mended. That you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear." And it's you know these rhyming couplets are very fast. It's beautiful. It's it's. Yeah, just um I don't know. I think I think Puck is is one of the um most memorable Shakespearean characters mm-hmm. and and he deserves that even though he's cuz he's not malicious. He's not a bad guy. Mm. Even though in a lot of productions he's wears horns. I think Stanley Tucci as Puck yeah. in the the version that we watched has horns and you know, there's connotations with that, but he's not a bad guy. He's just He's he's a fun loving sprite, and you know, yeah, it's it's. I, I don't have a point. I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, and
0: I I mean he's just, he's an interesting character. He is Let, an interesting Let's character. let's leave it at that because yeah. uh, as we have already kind of gone over his his connections with the other things in the mm-hmm. play, um, but he, he is just worth mentioning as as a standalone character um, of great interest in in Shakespeare. Uh, studies,
1: let's mm-hmm. say. There is a bee! There is a bee! So at the same time that Shakespeare ends the play with this meta-commentary about um, uh, that w- addressing the fact yeah. that you're sitting watching a play that none of this is real anyway, yeah. um, we have this additional layer with the, the final... Uh, scenes act, of the really, play. It's yeah. really yeah, it is really the last act of the play, which is this performance that the rude mechanicals put on of the the tragedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. Um which again is played for laughs because these these are not great actors, but they're putting their It's not a great
0: script. It's not a great
1: <laughs> script, but they're workers and they've worked hard and and Peter Quince has done his best. Um and you've got this this production with a man dressed as a wall and you've got a guy coming in with a lantern pretending to be moonlight um, and and somebody playing a lion and addressing the audience to warn them, like, don't be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite comical. In most of the productions that I've seen, the, uh, the well, we've seen the same production. Yes, so yes. most of the productions that we've, <laughs> we've seen, seen yeah. um, the actor who plays... The rude mechanical who plays Thisbe is the one who actually steals the scene at the end Mm -hmm. and does a wonderful job with this final uh, speech before she kills herself. While Pyramus goes on and on and on and I die, I die, you know. And and, it's quite...
0: Funny, it's like, hilarious. hilarious. And then yes. there's like this. There's turn this at the end, yeah,
1: yeah, and and in the 1999 version it's Sam Rockwell who yeah. does the role of Thisbe. and it's very very good. Yeah. It's a good uh twist at the end that I think turns because the the three couples who are getting married it's it's Theseus and Hippolyta, and then the other two all get married at the same on the same day. Yeah. And this play is put on in their honor. And they kind of heckle the entire time and in most productions you have these actors will actually come out and sit in the audience and Mm -hmm. heckle from the audience because that breaks down that that fourth wall even more yeah because now they are part of the same audience that we're in watching and and they're kind of having the same thoughts like this is the best
0: wall i've ever seen like yeah they give this man an oscar for walls absolutely
1: (laughs) and the lion is such a lion yeah and you know like so it's it it really does make you question what's real. Again. Yeah. Is love mm-hmm. real? Is this play even real? Yeah. What what where am I? <laughs> this is not my beautiful house. <laughs> so it's mm. it's it's very um, discombobulating. And when that final moment comes and Thisbe dies and they finally have a little bit more respect and they give kudos to the actors and Quince gets his his day, Quince and Bottom both are very happy that the play was well, well received, and then the couples go off to bed. and Puck comes out and delivers the speech. It's it's a very interesting finale. Yeah. I think it doesn't feel like it fits thematically in a sense because it's a tragedy being played at the end of a comedy, yeah. and it's being played. It's a tragedy that's being played for comic um, effect. Yeah, so it does. Strike a very weird tone. Like but, you feel like the play should be over now, and then we still have this, this whole, whole play. act. We're watching another play. Uh, yeah, the and, play is uh, over, but there's another play to go. Yeah,
0: and it it and it is. It, like I said, it's it's a very interesting structure for Shakespeare uh, because it starts off in this real world, mm-hmm. goes into this fantasy realm for you know three-fifths of the play yeah um, and then it returns to this real world only to be put Throwing into you a, right back into a fantasy, into a fantasy. um and so it is a very interesting structure it's very much like love's labor's Lost*, yeah. where it's kind of you think it's heading one way and then it takes totally it, uh, detours yeah totally detours it's it is a it's a change of pace from a traditional five-act structure that shakespeare is using and it's it's interesting that this is still fairly yeah. early in his career and he's already so sophisticated. playing with these it really yeah is. in such in such an interesting way The other thing I love about the play is uh, in a full production, the 99 cut cut this out, but there's a prologue that is almost the exact same length as the actual play. Um, which is just hilarious because uh, Shakespeare's one prologue that he's really well known for is in his next play, Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Um, where it
1: does this exact thing, it does it explains, it explains the, the whole play, the whole story in a sonnet. Yeah, fourteen lines, you get it, uh, one and done, bam, well, we're, but we're good. It's
0: not because they, in, uh, well, yes. in in
1: in Midsummer Night's Dream, it's yes. not. <laughs> it's not.
0: They they continue on and and. But on I think and, that's
1: that's the point is that he's he's lambasting the thing that he's doing yeah exactly he, he at this point he would have had to have had Romeo and Juliet finished or very nearly or finished or he could have published it before because we might have been out exactly. of or something yeah. so so it's because like you said Romeo and Juliet is the next play that we're we're going to be discussing it's yeah. the next play in most lists so it's these are contemporaneous plays yeah Pyramus and Thisbe is the same story as yeah, Romeo and Juliet exactly. essentially yeah. two lovers who mistake each other's deaths and yeah. kill themselves yeah. um It's not accidental for him to have uh, a however, a hundred line prologue or whatever the hell it is, um, explaining everything that happens in the play. These are the actors and they're only actors and don't worry about it. This is not a real line and blah, 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 blah. um, To explain the whole play and then put on the play for these people who are smart enough to know that they're watching a play um, right before production on Romeo and Juliet would be starting almost, you know, it's, it's an interesting commentary he is i'm sure of it making fun of the act of playwriting yeah or or making fun of an audience that doesn't know the difference yeah. and maybe that's I, I guess that's why you know you have puck come out at the end and and tell you straight up that this is
0: this was a play this don't, was don't a play think about it too much yeah
1: exactly um that's all we've been doing is watching a play and watching people watch a play and and so the the layers are just so a little Nanaimo bar of
0: <laughs> of, of interconnections. For yes, those of you who yes. don't know what
1: a Nanaimo bar is, I guess we can. I just realized that I should have used. We'll something have left
0: else. link. No, we'll have to provide a link. A link to, to where Nanaimo you can order a Nanaimo bar because they're delicious and everybody should have. I some. don't like them. Okay, so I Lindsay's think I think opinion, I uh,
1: <laughs> Justin Trudeau yeah, is going to wow, come in with the RCMP just, and arrest oh, me. Geez. I know.
0: I think I have to report you. I think there's a snitch line for this exact purpose.
1: Don't joke about that.
0: If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickerings. So this week's... Uh, no, ancient
1: it's not marriage bickerings? Ca-
0: ancient bickerings. I was going to call it marriage counseling. Yeah, we play, haven't had that either. in a
1: couple of weeks now.
0: Yeah. Uh, it is a simple one for a simple... Not a simple play, but a, a fun one for a fun play. Yeah. Lindsay, of all the pairings, of all the getting togethers, of all the coupling that happened on in this uh, play, who is your favorite
1: pair i'm gonna go different i've got two one Mm, that happened and one that didn't happen but that i wish had happened
0: okay well we'll go with the real one the real one the the real
1: one that that happened the pairing that i most enjoyed watching even though it was not a romantic pairing i love the the dynamic between oberon and puck i think the the bromance bromance there i mean the the way that oberon um kind of puts puck in his place but puck is is just takes it on the chin and and in in different productions as we said with uh, Rupert Everett and Stanley Tucci in the 1999 production Rupert Everett plays Oberon a little bit more seriously yeah. than I think other productions might do but um there's this playfulness they're they're getting into trouble they're just bros being bros yeah. right and I yeah. really like that that kind of dynamic that, that they have ruddery, yeah. yeah um I think it's unfair that of the four main lo- lovers, yeah. you have um, Hermia and Helena are best friends. Yeah. Hermia and Demetrius have their mm-hmm. betrothal. Hermia and Lysander are in love. Demetrius and Helena are in love. You don't really get anything between Demetrius and Lysander. No. And I kind of wish that... that <laughs> You know, in the production that we watched with the Malachites, uh, the Winter Shakespeare Festival, there was a funny moment where the two of them ended up kissing. Yeah. And I thought that that was just, (laughs) it was the last bridge that needed to be crossed to make that quadrangle work. (laughs) I thought it was very good. And I thought that that that, would be the last confusion. There is confusion. They do mistake one another for each other and and puck for each of them. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and yeah, their only relation is to fight between yes. each other and they don't really even have any lines directly. I, I they go cheek to cheek or jowl to jowl. Yes, and that's, that's their last that's line. About there, it. Yeah. But
1: I think that, that, um, they have more in common than, yes. than not. <laughs> and I feel yes, like as we've
0: talked about them being interchangeable. They're lines, going
1: so. to end up becoming friends because Hermia and Helen are still friends. Yes. And we all know that, um, when your wives are friends, the husbands, we, the husbands have to be have friends. friends. It's it's a, it's a rule. It's, it's written somewhere.
0: It, it has to happen. in the
1: book of love.
0: <laughs> wow, Peter Gabriel. Uh, yes, thank you. Jeez, I appreciate terrible. that you
1: knew that. Uh, so yeah, that's the one that I kind of wish had had been more of a pairing. I don't mean in a romantic sense, but hey, I, I would have taken that too.
0: Well, so. in the same sense, uh, Helena and Hermia, the the mud wrestle. In the '99 version, yeah. I mean, you're talking about the most '90s thing. For some reason, men were going crazy for the idea of women wrestling in mud together. Mud and it was, whipped
1: cream yeah, and
0: pudding. Well, and then there was the lube fight in. Uh, oh what yes, what, old what, school. Was it? Was it old school? Yeah. Yeah. Way so, to like, go, Blue! Is yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah yeah like for some reason it's like because internet porn had not spread everywhere so no. i feel like this was the this is like the, the closest, closest closest yeah thing to, yeah um which is right. just sad now it seems really really juvenile just it does you want to really see lesbians is. go find that i guess but that's <laughs> where uh porn yeah exactly from. yeah yeah it didn't exist yet so i guess that was that um so i guess that would be my closest to a <laughs> <laughs> yes. The unreal pairing is the, but the two of real them.
1: pairing that you have?
0: Um, it's it's Titania and Puck. I was or say, not, not Titania and, and bottom, yeah, yes. yeah. Because they're they're just A, I like the gender reversal. Yeah. I like the idea of being wooed, you know, just having, you know, having a woman dote on me and like, you know, doing all the, the overly romantic gestures. I'm kind of hinting at something here. Lindsay Who
1: was the one out of the two of us who pursued? Okay. It was me. Yeah,
0: and it was nice, and I'm saying I missed that. So
1: okay but i i won at the end so i don't have to anymore that's a good point why Um, why do i why do i need to woo you i started a podcast with you what more do you want from me
0: no but (laughs) uh realistically yeah it's it was a, it was a it's a fun uh little couple um and the fact that she's so good natured about it afterwards she's like oh my god i slept with an ass oh this is hilarious like she's that's gonna laugh we all think after
1: we <laughs> leave a one night stand a tinder date gone wrong we're like oh i slept with an ass <laughs> as we walk out to our uber <laughs> uh, yeah see
0: yeah that totally so yeah. i mean I, I i just like that that it is it is one that's not too serious Um, It's hilarious and it uh, all the characters kind of feel better off for it in some way. Like Titania and Oberon have settled their feud because he got her in the end. You don't know what happens with the Indian boy. I Mm -hmm. assume she actually keeps him because Oberon was a jerk about this whole thing. But who knows? Um, And Bottom is just...
1: Well he gets what he wants in the end anyway. Yeah, exactly. He gets to be the hero and he has yeah. his grand moment on stage and yeah. is adored by the Athenians that yeah. he performs for. Yeah.
0: So. so I uh that's that's my preferred one.
1: All right. Parting such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be morrow. So Aiden, our next uh episode in a couple of weeks' time is going to be about the supernatural in Shakespeare, the supernatural. correct? That's right. So I think that that'll be a really interesting um an interesting discussion after
0: this. midsummer, yeah.
1: but also taking into consideration all the other plays that Shakespeare deals with, and and the Elizabethan fascination with the supernatural mm-hmm. and and the way that um, this other realm that is not our own, how it affects what we do, yeah, and how it absolves us of uh, wrongdoing. If if something goes wrong, you can blame other people i think there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that comes up regarding culpability and um uh, personal ownership as well as agency yeah and um and shakespeare does play around with a lot of that throughout his plays um so yeah i'm looking forward to that discussion
0: yeah absolutely and then after that it will be romeo and juliet as we've mentioned so uh you know Gather all ye lovers. We're yes. gonna go for round two there. Yeah, uh, with Romeo and Juliet, which is I know you love it, Linz. Uh
1: I I don't love it. Really? I, I think it's it was one of your favorites. It's it's not. It's it is. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I it don't know. I don't know. And it I'm it fine with that. Yeah. It's, I have. I have a, a curious relationship with Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, um, so we've taught it a couple times. I have taught it a couple of times. I, so talk, we'll couple times. I think I think we're we're coming up on an episode where we're going to be talking about what goes into teaching a Shakespeare class. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something I can speak to a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think my one and only. Uh, just spoilers for that episode my one and only foray into adapting shakespeare was with romeo and juliet i don't think i've ever told you this story about grade no, nine so now we're so, going to have
0: to talk about yeah, it yeah that'll come up in our <laughs> in, in
1: 1 month's time from today we will be releasing our romeo and juliet episode so if you want to hear about that then tune in You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix.
0: If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at
1: Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.